This is Saster's Founders Favorite Series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from Saster speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and robust set of tools to develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Find ways to cut costs using the total cost of ownership calculator and compare against AWS's pricing. Visit linode.com saster to learn more. Up today, the future of the customer with Bernadette Nixon, CEO at Algolia, Jay Snyder, Chief Customer Officer at New Relic, and Nick Maida, CEO at Gainsight. Thank you so much and welcome everyone. Really excited for an engaging discussion on something I'm passionate about, the future of the customer. So I'm Nick Maida, CEO of Gainsight, and uh, you probably have heard of Gainsight. We're in the world of customer success and really excited to have two different voices in the world of kind of how companies think about their customers. So Bernadette Dixon recently joined Algolia as CEO, has been CEO before, was CEO of Alfresco Software and a long, long career in software and comes in, I think, with a lot of passion for customers and customer success, which we're, I'm excited to hear about, and also comes in live streaming, uh, my understanding is from a boat right now, right, Bernadette? You're on a boat. That's right. I'm on a boat in Rhode Island. On a boat in Rhode Island. And then uh, our, our second guest, uh, Jay Snyder, who just recently took over as Chief Customer Officer of New Relic, publicly traded SaaS company. I'm sure many of you use New Relic. Comes out of a long background in EMC and, and Dell and uh, has worked in the world of kind of customers for a very long time. And today is, is potentially broadcasting from the Italian Alps? or maybe I, I am. I actually just got off the boat, Nick, and uh -huh. just screwed up to make sure that I was ready to go for the presentation. So I got to say pretty good internet up there on the Italian Alps. So it's I'm absolutely fantastic. I've got a hotspot on my phone, so hopefully we'll hold still. So we got a good group uh, and we got some good, uh, good stories to tell as well. So let's dive into the future. So, you know, we talked about where things are today. A lot of these themes probably resonate with what people are seeing. We're going to next talk about what's the near future. So what's happening like right now in trends? And then we'll do a little speculation about the far future and kind of where do those trends go over time. And, you know, near future, I think it's pretty obvious. There's, there's a big set of trends happening right now, which is with the downturn. And I, I tweeted this a while back that like at the beginning of the downturn that like every customer is scrutinizing, do they really need this technology or not? It's not just about it being cool. It's about what Jay said, is it delivering value? right? And whether it's Algolia, Gainsight, New Relic, or anything else, you're being measured on value, not just adoption. And, and at the same time, even outside of COVID, there's all these other trends happening, you know, power of the developer, the API economy, you know, both of you play very much in both those trends. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the, the near-term trends you're seeing. I'm going to start with Jay, because Jay, Jay you, you described in the prep call this mm -hmm. kind of proliferation of technology, this sprawl yeah. that's happened, and you're kind of in the middle of it. A lot of your clients use New Relic heavily, Talk about what the near-term trends are. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you teed it up really well. Uh, quite simply, and I guess no pun intended, things are too complex. I mean, they're just too complex. And it, so I'm speaking specifically about the space that I'm operating within New Relic. Customers live in a world of tools. And for everybody listening in here, I'm sure this isn't shocking to you, but mass proliferation and sprawl has become a real problem and it's created mass complexity, not just at the technical level, but at the business level, because that sprawl is expensive. And worse, this fragmentation minimizes the ability to deliver value at scale, right? If everybody's just doing a little sliver of the work, how do you roll that up into a meaningful business case? I don't know anyone right now I mean, maybe you do, but I don't know anyone right now with extra money, 
time <laughs> or people, right? right? So the pressure is to simplify, provide a platform, not a tool that can be a consolidator. And it's something that can drive costs, but still have all the features necessary to get the business results. And I'm not saying this is easy, but that's what we're striving to do. I always say companies are trying to do three, three things when they buy something. It comes down to they're trying to make money, they're trying to save money, or they're trying to reduce risk. And the good news at New Relic is we can do all three, but only if we align to the business drivers and keep in mind just how dynamic those are. So we ensure that we are constantly measuring and refreshing. Our challenge and our opportunity in customer engagement is staying tightly aligned with the business drivers, having the discipline to manage long-term customer journey, even when the short-term options might be easier. So I guess, I guess I'd say it's forcing us to both challenge our customers more than ever, and by extension, us to be educated and in tune with the customer's business more than ever. I know it's something we've always aspired to do, but I've never seen it be pushed to the brink like it is right now. You know, generic business or customer success plans, they don't work for me, but yeah, more importantly, they don't work for our customers, right? And for some folks, that's a lot of pressure and they have to dig deeper. They have to work smarter and they have to do more. So I think that's what's happening and that's, that's what we're seeing on a day in and day out basis. You know, I'll just ask a follow up on that, Jay, because it's such an important point. I see it all the time, which is I, I, you said it super well, make money, save money, reduce risk. It's hard to, you, hard to find any other Uber categories than that. But then for CS people, sometimes it's challenging for them to make that connection, you know, from the, you know, using a feature of new relic to driving business value. They don't know enough about their client. They don't understand the business. Maybe they're early in their career you know, how, how do you help your team make that length of value? That, I mean, that is the, what would you say, the $24,000 question that I'm actually going through right now. And it, it's, um, it's a combination of things. One, it starts uh, far up in the sales process, right? Because you need to start to deliver. Deliver is the wrong word. You need to discover in the sales process. You need to do a lot more asking and listening than talking, right? So we need, to, we need to create a template, which I'm working on right now, which is what are the foundational elements that would drive a business case? And again, this would be somewhat generic to get the basic discovery done. Then it's about really understanding the customer's business and, and using the levers within that business case to determine is the, is the goal make money, save money, or reduce risk. So it's about operational efficiencies, productivity gains, digital experiences, and making sure we've captured those. That's an enablement exercise that is not to be minimized, right? We've got a lot of training to do uh, with our sales teams to get them to start to speak in these types of terms versus feature function. And we're going through that evolution right now within the company. And then your question really is, how does CS do that? I mean, what do they do? And again, if it's not teed up correctly in sales, CS is already at a disadvantage. So it starts there. But then instead of a success plan, it's a business plan. That business case becomes the success plan. Right. And we're constantly aligning the metrics in that business plan back to the technology and understanding which dials we need to turn, which types of implementation or product feature functions do we need to use that will directly equate to these types of things. I think the thing we're doing, Nick, to be able to force that is we're getting a little bit more intelligent around account management. So today we do a good job there. But at the technical level, the deeply integrated technologist, that's the piece that's going to play a critical role in connecting those dots for our customers. And I'll talk more about this later too, but I mean, the handoff from pre-sales to post-sales has to be crisp. Otherwise you're going to lose that momentum and lose that connective tissue back to that business case. And then the thing starts to fall apart. So 
I mean, we can talk a lot about this, but that's a little bit about where we're headed on that. But it, it, it's definitely a change in selling um, process. And then it's definitely a change in the journey. Yeah, I think you said it really well. And we'll come back to it. But that, that so much is discovered in sales that's lost often in that process. Um, so really well said. Bernadette, you, you came into a company that's very well respected for the technology built in the search world. What trends are affecting the way you think about your customers near term? So I think there's a, there's a couple of things. There's a macro point that I'll make and then I'll give um, a specific Algolia example of how we're seeing it manifest. So I think every organization right now can get constrained within their silos. And in order to truly respond to your customers, you really need to be a nimble organization. Now, that doesn't mean to say you're going to do away with the functions. You're not. But you need to, be, you need to find a way of getting outside of those come together as teams, squads, whatever you call them, in order to be able to drive value for your customers. And it's particularly poignant for us right now because we've, we've made our bread and butter selling to the um, tech visionaries, um, the early adopters, and now increasingly that early majority. And so there are different things we need to do to bring to the table in crossing that chasm for a sector of our, for our market. But as we look at our market, it's not all created equal. We've got everything from self-service all the way up to the enterprise. So how we accomplish something at the enterprise level in a one-to-few or a one-to-one or a one-to-few is very different to how you would accomplish it in a self-service model. And so I think when we start to look at some of the frictionless models at the lower end of that spectrum, I mean, we've got 9,500 customers. So at the lower end of that spectrum, what we're finding is your product has to be intuitive enough for the customers to be able to self-direct their own journey. And so it's another spin, I guess, on the notion that you mentioned, Jay, which is simplicity, but it's that simplicity has to be, is multifaceted. You've got to have it in the product. You've got to have it in, in how your customers can realize that value. And then you've also got to have it so that you can have it in a one-to-one or a one-to-few framework for your enterprise customers. So, you know, there's a lot of change going on right now. That's the only thing that's constant, frankly. (laughs) Um, And so trying to keep pace with it across all of those different sectors really requires you thinking deeply about how to deliver that value to your customer. That's great. Yeah. And well, that simplicity theme obviously is so massive and also just doing more in the product when you have that massive scale that you all have at Algolia and, and New Relic has as well. So that's a good way to say, what are the things that are trends that, you know, you think over the next five years, you think are here to stay. You know, you, some of you probably know that, that there's that great Jeff Bezos quote that says, don't focus on the things that are going to change, focus on the things that aren't going to change, right? And that's how you predict the future. What are some of the things when you look at the next few years that feel like this is just an unstoppable trend? And then we'll go to the other side and talk about things that we think are going to be radically different in the future. Bernadette, I'll go with you first. Sure. So the, the thing that is here to stay is the maniacal obsession with adoption, adoption, adoption. So real estate is location, location, location. I think for anybody in the SaaS business, it's obvious, but it's adoption, adoption, adoption. And there's no one key holy grail metric that's out there in the market right now. So I think there's a lot of experimentation going on here. I think that simplicity in the product is a key driver. I think in-product telemetry, in-product training are absolutely key. 
your goal, no matter where you are on that spectrum in terms of customer segment, the goal is the same. The question is, how do you help and encourage and enable your customers to get to that maximum adoption point so they're really getting the value that they were hoping in the in the pre-sale cycle how you deliver it will just be different depending upon the segment but that's here to stay great and jay what what, from your perspective yeah so uh i'm terrible at predicting the future i turned down an executive role at service now six years ago nick so this is not (laughs) not my sweet spot but Look, Bernadette just said it incredibly well. I mean, I think she, she stole some of my thunder and she should have because I, I agree with her 100%. It's about adoption. I'll, I'll say the same thing, but I'll say it maybe a little bit differently. So if I had to say what's going to definitely be here five years from now, it's this whole concept of, of customer success where um, customer success truly owns the customer. And sales will be just that, an initial sale only. Customers want to know that someone is responsible and not just there to do the sale or the expansion, but there to get them to, as Bernadette said, to adopt, consume, and derive value from the platform, right? We talked about needing to have an understanding of a customer's business, their drivers, and also ensuring adoption or the business case breaks. So I'm I'm not saying the role of a salesperson will disappear. I just think the definition of responsibility will change where they may simply be a sales and marketing person who's focused on new logos, but immediately it's handed to success from that point forward. And if I'm a customer and I'm asked to pick who I'm going to bet on for my future when I sign the check, is, is it going to be that salesperson or that success person? And I think, I think we're already starting to see that, you know, lockstep with customer success is customer adoption, which means you have true engagement, which means you're delivering true value. It's just, you know, it's one plus one equals three. It's a simple math equation to me. That's great. Awesome. And, and, you know, if you kind of flipped it around on its head and said, what are some of the things that as we go forward are going to see seem almost dated? You know, I, I watch, I, I showed my kids uh, back to the future too uh, last weekend. And if you remember that predicts the future, but they predict in the future that there would be fax machines everywhere. <laughs> so they kind of got that wrong. <laughs> Uh, right. What are the things, the concepts that we, we take for granted today that will seem dated five, seven years from now in the world of software? Let me go to, I'll go to Jay first. Well, uh, honestly, you know, I, I'm going to come back to something we just talked about. I, I think um, in the future, we're going to see a lot about low friction models. And I'm, I'm going to be a little bit repetitive here, but I do think that we're going to see a lot more intelligence built into the product, as Bernadette said, that gives you, and not just intelligence from being able to extract metrics, but also enablement, right? I think that you'll be able to self-enable to a degree that we have never seen before. And you'll have the, uh, the applied intelligence, the AI in the product itself, that will they'll make you smarter, right? It'll be watching what you do guiding you how to do it. You know, today I have to manage and track health of my customer's success, right? This will be built into the product. I believe the technology will become more and more intelligent to throw off these health metrics and, and it'll put the CS team really in the driver's seat to engage in a much more meaningful and prescriptive manner. One that is completely almost custom for each account and very low touch. So I, I think you're going to have this combination of low friction, but high impact which is a real difference from where we are today, right? We think about low touch to some degree as low impact. And I think that paradigm shift can change. I mean, if you think about if we can build more intelligent products and leverage the AI, 
you're literally going to have the answer to the test from the technology itself. I mean, wouldn't it be something if you could show up with a script of exactly what the customer needed and wanted based on the data in the technology to help them do better, go farther, move faster, right? Or, or, or better yet, you don't even have to show up. You could just send them a Slack with the details and the enablement's right there and they can run. So I just see, I see our future allowing for a much more low friction, high impact way to leverage the technology and vote to invoke change. Yeah, I see. I think one thread I want to make sure people take away from that, Jay, is that low touch or low, low friction doesn't mean, uh, you know, a poor quality of service or not focused on the customer. 100%. Yeah. And I think it does today, right? The, the nomenclature today implies you're not as a valuable a customer. Yeah, so you get, you get a digital touch where somebody else gets, you know, hugged and, and visited by a real life human being. That's true, but I think that shift is going to happen, and we'll see it in the next five years where the opposite becomes the value add. That's great. And Bernadette, how about from your perspective, what's going to seem dated, you know, years from now? Sure. I would actually just add on to what Jay was saying there just for a moment and say it also depends upon the market you're in. I mean, you Relic and Algolia, we're very focused on the developer. So honestly, a lot of developers don't want to speak to a human. They want to be able to self-serve. They want to, to have a tech touch. And that is a better solution for them than a high touch. So I completely agree with your point, Nick. Uh, but what will seem dated in five years, hopefully clicking OK to accept cookies on every friggin' website and have to go visit. <laughs> Voila. That's, that's the crowd Well said. But I, I, on a more serious note, and perhaps a, a controversial one, um, I think a thing that will be a thing of the past will be concierge CSMs. Mm. Because I think that there is a portion of the population out there that have come up and, you know, the, you know, the, the, the relationship aspect and the soft aspect has been so important because it needed to counterbalance, you know, sometimes the hard charging sales approach. The, there was a, you know, a very high value placed purely on the soft skills. So to me, though, the, the days of the concierge CSMs uh, are numbered and there has to be value that the CSMs deliver beyond just the relationship. So I'm not saying that the soft skills aren't important. They absolutely are. High EQ is always going to be critical, I think, for that role. But they also need to be able to deliver value beyond that. And what that form that takes will depend upon your business. But I think that connected to the in-product telemetry and some of the stuff we talked about already will provide a powerful combination. That's so well said. It's interesting. I did an event with CIOs recently. So probably some of your customers were, I asked them what they thought of CSMs. And they gave some of that feedback, Bernadette, that they felt like some CSMs are super nice people that respond to emails but don't add a lot of value in the process. And I think for CSMs that are watching, you, you do have to plot a course to having value either in the product knowledge or domain knowledge or being consultative or whatever. Yeah. You can't just be a nice person that responds to emails. So. I, I yep. completely agree, right? This is what we, I think we're all talking about the exact same thing here, right? They've got to be able to bring a business case to the table and make sure it aligns to those drivers. And when things start to stray, they've got to get everything back on track. I mean, they've got to, they're, they're success managers slash program managers. They got to run that customer journey like a program and understand what that means. And they've got to be able to use all the data available to them to be able to understand when the customer's going off their journey. And it's not just about showing up to run the QBR. It's driving the entire experience to get to the QBR. And that is a shift for, in mindset for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. 
one of the last questions we had talked about in prep was, you know, the org that's most impacted in changes outside of CS in the future, you know, and Jay and Bernadette, you both have some thoughts on that. Jay, I'll, I'll go to you first. Which orgs are changing the yeah, most? Which orgs change the most outside of customer success? What other orgs have to evolve and change in this new world? Yeah, I, I think if I was going to pinpoint this, um, I would go to pre-sales. And the reason I would go to pre-sales is I talked about the fact that a customer, is, a customer would like to be owned, you know, soup to nuts by somebody who's going to be responsible and look after their entire experience. And if you think about what pre-sales does, they build that connective tissue at a technical level with that customer early on. And that's the mind melt, right? That's, the, that's incredible value. I'm not diminishing what a salesperson does. I've been in sales a long time. But ultimately, that technical connection at a lot of times, when you're selling a hard, a hard and technology product, wins the day, right? But yet, if you've created this model where that pre-sales person does the sale and then disappears, where's that connective tissue? And what happens beyond that? So I think that we're going to see an evolution in how pre-sales works with pro-sales and maybe becomes one and the same so that you can have that long-standing, truly intimate technical engagement that our customers are looking for. Someone that spends the time up front and then stays long-term after to be with that customer based on that relationship, that mindset, and that experience they already have. So I, I, I do see that getting upended and it's impacting them now because where it isn't formal, Nick, they're doing it anyway. So yeah. pre, I'm seeing pre-sales being heavily impacted by the fact that while their job is to be on pre-sales, they're spending half their time in post sales. Yeah. So whether it's formalized or not, it's bleeding across that impacts sales productivity. It has other ramifications to the business. And so we need to solve for that. So I do think, you know, I don't know if the word is impact. I think there's an opportunity to do something more intelligent around the pre-sales, post-sales handoff. I think it's really well said. And I think that what I'm seeing actually in some cases is chief customer officers uh, getting value engineering like you have and pre-sales underneath them as well to tie that all together. Bernadette, how about from your perspective, what org do you think is going to evolve the most in this new world? I don't think I could have said it better than Jay, actually. I think he's got a, there's a lot of value to what he said. And I think generally the sales org will, will face a lot of um, change coming out. But I'm going to pivot, if I may, to one of the other questions that we talked about in prep, which was, you know, in a downturn, you know, what's going to be the most important? You know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, we've seen the worst of the downturn. You've got the other side that's saying there's still more to come, you know, when furloughs and everything, you know, are no longer funded by governments and, and what have you throughout the globe. And I would say on that topic that the thing that is going to be most important is having the human touch, or should I say the humane touch, and customers that you, are, you do the right thing by when they're in a bind, uh, not that you'll be able to say yes to everything that they want, that's not what I'm saying, but when you do the right thing, it'll be recognized and those customers will remember that in the good times. So well said. I think it's a great, great kind of yeah. segue. I was going to say, I literally had almost the same answer for that. Just I, I said the one thing that's I'm telling my team all the time they need to have in this downturn and what's the biggest impact to CS at the same time is you need to lead with empathy, right? You, you really do. I mean, because the people we're talking to, their jobs are at risk, their companies are at risk, they're being put in very difficult positions and we've got to really embrace and understand that. And that's a difficult thing for a lot of folks because we've got a company to run, right? But if you really want to build customers for life, this is the time where, you, where empathy will shine and doing the right thing long-term versus short-term is going to make that customer either be a customer for life or not. 
That's well said. That's a good way to close out. Well, a couple of takeaways for folks. Um, you know, I, I do believe in this kind of concept of human first leadership, which is really what customer success is all about and what the future of the customer and wrote some thoughts about that online that you can find on, on our website. And then, you know, for people who want to dig into future of the customer more, we just published our book, Customer Success Economy, uh, which is all about this concept and kind of where we're going in the future. And actually just in partnership with Saster, we made this available for folks uh, listening actually for free. Go to gainsight.com slash free book and you get, you get fill the form, you'll get a copy of it. And uh, thanks so much to Jay and Bernadette. This has been phenomenal. Really appreciate it. And next time, I think we'll have to do this with some karaoke as well. Uh, so uh, oh think of your song selection. Be careful what you ask for, my friend. <laughs> we'll come and do it on the boat. Yeah, that sounds good. Linode's Linux virtual machines offer industry-leading price performance. Don't believe us? Use our total cost of ownership calculator to receive a total cost breakdown, technical recommendations, and see how much you can save compared to the hyperscalers. Visit linode.com slash saster to learn more.